Good evening. Goodbye Forever by Nat Chang Rinpoche. Chapter 15, Part 1. I didn't want to use Buddhism as a patch, prop, buttress, brace or crutch. That approach seemed lame. I wanted to be it rather than think it or apply it as a conceptual ointment. Maybe that would evolve slowly over time, the more I sat in silence. No time like the present. I sat in silence. I sat for an hour or more. The rain ceased. I ceased too, but rode home nonetheless. Easy rider. Chapter 15, A Diminutive Demon, August 1970. The last family holiday, moving into a different phase of life. I'd left the standard educational system and was bound for art school in September. Going somewhere, Newquay, to do nothing in particular no longer seemed viable. So why did I go? Well, we'd not had a family holiday for three years. My mother wanted me to go. Graham, my brother, wanted me to go. My father was keen that I should go. I was not violently disinclined to go. I could sit and stare at the sea. It could approximate a meditation retreat. I would rather have gone to Cadgeworth on the Lizard Peninsula, where we used to go as children, but... Not long after we arrived, Graham drew my attention to a folk and blues club poster, giving details of a concert by Ralph McTell. It was a month old, but a telephone number was there to provide a strong secondary cause. It didn't take much of a secondary cause for blues to be provoked. I called the number. Hello there, I'm passing through. Name's Frank Schubert, Acoustic Blues. I'd be happy to sit in if you've got any spots. I said in as offhand a way as I could. You had to be Mr. Blasé to be believed in the performance game. Warm up? Don't do that often, but why not? Sure. It wasn't a falsehood exactly. I didn't often play warm ups, but it wasn't horribly accurate. I'd warmed up for Joanne Kelly on two occasions, Mike Cooper once, but I wasn't on the books to be called up as a warm-up player. Sure, yeah, I'll take a stroll up there now. Be with you in ten minutes or so. I wasn't mad keen on dissimulation, but it was de rigueur in the music business unless you were famous. I'd been Mr Big in the Savage Cabbage blues band, but that was gone. I was now, I was Mr Nowhere Man, 
but that is how I got to converse with John Martin. I turned up at the run-down church hall boasting the name of Newquay Folk and Blues Club and there he was. John Martin just sat there on the wall waiting for Andy Politer who was conspicuous mainly in his paucity of politesse. John Martin, however, saved the day by seeming to know me. We'd been sitting on a low wall together chatting. I had no idea who he was, and so, for all I knew, he was just another small-time musician on the pub scene. He'd asked most of the questions and seemed intrigued by what I told him about the Savage Cabbage Blues Band and its sad demise. He seemed genuinely touched by the tragedy and genuinely interested in our two-bass line-up. Therefore, when Andy Politer asked, So, who are you? in a vaguely sneering manner, John Martin answered for me, repeating what I'd told him as we sat chatting. Coming from John Martin, this was received as an unquestionable recommendation. So it was that I was booked for Saturday night as warm-up for John Martin. The world is illusion. Being booked as Frank Schubert warm-up for John Martin would have been wonderful. But as it happened, Andy Politer failed to inform either John Martin or myself that I was merely to play warm-up for the warm-up. The official warm-up was the resident act, the Bodmin Blues Band. They were actually a rock and roll band, like many others who called themselves blues bands, but I had my own reasons for not warming to them. They did their level best to humiliate me when they came on after my short set. My set had not been the best I've ever played, for various reasons. My harp was blown on one vital note and was therefore unplayable. I was using my new 12-string echo. Lovely guitar, not a Martin, Gibson or Guild, but it had a fine full tone, deep bass and ringing treble. The problem was not the guitar, it was the player. I'd only just started to play regular guitar in regular tuning. Before that, my main instrument had been the Devil, the partially homemade guitar on which I played lap slide in open tunings. Playing lap slide across the knees with a length of chromium bath towel rail is about as different as you can get from playing chords and riffing on a regular guitar. I was thus rather unsophisticated. No, I was primitive. But I had the voice for it and I figured that if Sunhouse could play rudimentary guitar and carry the day with his voice, then maybe I could do the same. I was nothing if not well equipped with boldness nerve, bravado, chutzpah, audacity, gall, impudence and colossal naivety.
when it came to blues. The problem with my limited musical capacity was that I was not Sun House. I was not American. I was not born in the Mississippi Delta. And I wasn't old. I wasn't black either. Well, not on the outside, at least. The Bodmin Blues Band came and went. I was as impressed with them as they were with me, but they had clout as the resident band, so they their put-down vis-à-vis blues clichés was greeted with mirth. I almost went back to the hotel, but decided it would be viciously ungrateful to miss John Martin's set. We'd had a fine conversation backstage before I went on, and he'd been most friendly and generous. So, when the second half of the concert was about to start, I went in and took my seat next to my brother Graham, who'd come to hear me perform. John Martin strode on stage almost with a swagger, but with a sense of ease that was electric. The crowd gave him a substantial round of applause. They'd obviously been looking forward to hearing him and were definitively excited. He approached the trestle table on which sat an array of effect pedals. There was an echoplex and various other devices. He fiddled with them for a while as he tested the sound and suddenly bellowed, They call me Buttons McGeggy! The words were followed by a manic laugh that shook the room. Ha ha! Just give me a button! Ha 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 ha! He finished fiddling and turned to the audience. Some people! Yes, yeah, some people not so very fucking far from here as I hear it are not so very fond of a blues cliche! Ha ha ha! He waved his head from side to side in mock disbelief. But I love a blues cliché more than fucking life itself. The crowd loved his raving style and erupted into gales of laughter. So good people! Ha ha ha! I'm going to start out with a good old clichéd number, y'all. All know all too fucking well. I couldn't believe my ears. I was on the verge of tears. John Martin had overheard the musical assassination of Frank Schubert and he was coming out in my defence, all barrels blazing. He launched into Skip James's I'd Rather Be the Devil and the audience was spellbound. Well, I laid down last night and I was trying to take my rest. But my mind starts a-rambling like the wild geese in the West. John Martin was so obviously a world-class player that having chatted with him for so long discombobulated me. If I'd known who he was when I was chatting with him, I would probably have come across like an idiot. I might have been too much in awe of him to have a realistic conversation. Anyhow, if the Bodmin Blues Band were in the audience, they must have felt about as bad as I'd previously felt. 
The song ended and the applause was furious. Then, just as the applause was receding, John Martin motioned me to stand. He had to beckon me a few times before I understood his intention. I stood, feeling somewhat gauche, and John Martin bellowed, This song's for my friend here, my friend Frank Schubert. Big hand, big hand now for Frank Schubert. The hall erupted with applause. It took me a while to understand what was happening. I thought, didn't these people snigger at me earlier at the instigation of the Bodmin Blues Band? It made no obvious sense. Then suddenly John Martin was speaking again. He played some fucking fine down-home blues for you earlier. Real honest Delta. Big pan now. Big hand. Big hand for Frank Schubert. The hall erupted. I looked around and there they were, the audience for whom I'd been a joke an hour earlier. Ha ha, Yari, ha ha, up and coming bluesman, Frank Schubert. Big hand, big hand now. You'll be hearing from this man in the future. You just watch out. Ha 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 ha, Frank Schubert. John Martin's voice trailed into slurred Glaswegian and the audience continued to applaud. Up-and-coming bluesman, eh? How outrageously kind. It's what I'd always wanted, but it was entirely unreal. How massively kind and generous of John Martin to say that, but there was no more to it than that. I was, in reality, down and going. There were a few thousand schoolboys who could play what I played, and played it better. As soon as John Martin's performance was over, I walked back to the hotel with Graham. I said goodnight. I went to bed. I lay there faced with the illusion John Martin had created. I was no up-and-coming bluesman. It was a sad realisation. I did, however belong to the tradition. I'd invested, invested enough to say that. I wasn't good, but I did belong. This wasn't a doleful thought, or even a state of sensible resignation. It was simply the recognition that most of life, if not all of it, was illusory. I could either buy into the illusion or see it for what it was. Sometimes illusion is joyous, sometimes it's tragic, and sometimes it's simply undesignated.